Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. And we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. They're mad because they're saying, who on earth gave you the right to do this? Now here's the funny thing about that. Nobody's talking about the Messiah. He just said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. They've just like pushed that aside. And you see that theme coming through from the prologue, the spiritual table of contents. Nobody's saying, well, where is he? Is he, is he here? Is he close by? And so they're just, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And John, with incredible humility and more than a little patience, answers their question in verse 26. John answered them, I, ba- I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany near across from the Jordan where John was baptizing. So he says, he doesn't even get into a debate with them. You know, there are people who, they, they ask you a question, but they really don't want an answer. And you know that if you try to answer them, if you try to debate with them, you're just wasting your time. There's no need to try to explain yourself to people who are intent on misunderstanding you. So John just says, look, I'm I'm baptizing with water. But the one who comes after me, he is a whole different animal than I am. He's the main issue. And he is going to baptize you. Uh, Excuse me. Here he points out that he says that in this one, I'm not even worthy to unlace his sandal. Now, in Jewish culture, the lowliest of lowly servants was the guy who, when all the people came to your house with their dirty, stinking feet, because they wore sandals in those days and walked through the town, somebody had to wash those feet, and it wasn't going to be the head of the household. It wasn't going to be anybody of any rank, of any, of any prestige. And John is saying, the one who's coming after me is the main issue. Me, I'm not even worthy to undo his sandals. I'm not even worthy to wash his feet. And then you have this curious verse here in 28. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. There's two Bethanies, one near Jerusalem, one near the Jordan. What, you're telling, what, what you can see here from that last verse is that, is that whoever's writing this is an eyewitness and he knows the territory really well. Verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, so now 24 hours have passed, give or take. Jesus comes walking in from the temptation. He's already been baptized. He's been out for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And he comes walking up. And John the Baptist says this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes one who ranks before me because he was before me. So John points. I mean, you can probably just see the crowd you know, turn and look. He goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what you see there is this. The Lamb of God, they, they think of sacrifice. They know they had a Jewish sacrificial system. If you trusted in God, you knew that you needed to repent of your sin. And an outward sign of your repentance and an outward sign of your faith in God was the willingness to sacrifice animals to sort of atone for your sin, to cover your debt. And that act really separated the real believers from the non-believers because it was costly to sacrifice livestock and the lamb there was a lamb sacrificed at passover for the sins of the nation it came right at the day of atonement and what he's saying is here he is 
Now, there had been some sense in Isaiah and other books of prophecy that the Messiah would suffer. The Jews had lost sight of that. But he's using all of this language to point them to Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This would be no normal person. This would be no normal person. And then he says in verse 30, he identifies him as the one he was talking about the previous day. This is, whom, him of who, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Now here's what's peculiar about that. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and he's six months older. And, the, and, the, and the, word, the wording there says he was before me, he was above me, but then the way he uses it in the next phrase means he existed before me. And, and doesn't John's prologue start in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God? And what, what he's doing is he's giving away the fact that this is no normal person. And you know, if you knew John, that John would understand that Jesus was six months younger than he was. But he's saying he's, he's older than he was. Because John understands that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the Savior. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. He knows who this is. And he's doing everything he can to point these people toward that. And he goes on. And again, he goes on humbling himself. Verse 31, I myself did not know him. Some translations say recognize him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, verse 32, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John's saying, look, I was clueless. I had no idea who this was. And we think about it, I mean, John probably in his early years grew up with Jesus. And he goes, I didn't recognize him. But the one who sent me wanted me to call attention to him, and I didn't know who he was. But the one who sent me to baptize, and God sent John to baptize, said, watch, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend in the manner of a dove, light on him and stay on him, this is the one. So John is like, I didn't know until God revealed it to me. And this is the Lamb of God. And then look what he says in verse 34. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now, what we have here is an indication of who Jesus is. And Jesus is the Son of God. God the Son. John is bearing witness to this. And he's made it very clear to everybody around him that it's not about him, it's about Jesus. It's about the Messiah. That, the one, that he is the forerunner, he is the messenger, the herald for the one who's coming. And he uses the Isaiah uh, passage and he uses the Malachi passage. And he makes it clear, and let me give you a little extra background here for no extra charge. In those days when a king came, a retinue went out before him and they made the roads smooth. They made the crooked roads straight. They took the bend out of the roads. They made a highway from point A to point B, the shortest distance between two lines, between two points is a straight line. They cut the mountains down. They built the hills up. They built the valleys up so it would be a smooth road. And John is saying, I am that road builder. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And he's saying, and this is him. And people are like, well, tell us about yourself. Who get, it's not about me, it's about him. It's about the Messiah. It's about the one who was promised. It's about the one who's going to baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. 
It's about the one who's going to seek and save that which was lost. It is about the promised one whom God promised long ago through our fathers. This is him. Forget about me. John is not allowing himself any, any stage time other than what God has ordained for him to have, other than what the scriptures have prescribed to have. And at the end of it, it's mission accomplished. I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. He delivers the message, and what they do with it is their business, or in some cases, their problem. So what this tells us, it helps us decode Jesus, right? Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son. Jesus is the promised Jewish Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is God in the flesh who shows up unrecognized and unrecognizable in some sense. He came to his own people and they didn't receive him. They were more interested in worrying about who John the Baptist was and dotting their legalistic I's and crossing their legalistic T's. And they they almost missed the boat. But we'll see that it doesn't end here. But what can you do with this? How does this affect your life day in and day out as you talk to people, as you attempt to bear witness about Jesus? What can you and I learn from this? What can we put into practice? So what I want to do today is just call to your attention two realities, or maybe even two necessities, they both end in I-E-S, so they kind of run, that we have to keep in the forefront of our mind as we seek to bear witness to God, as we seek to bear witness to Christ. These are two very simple concepts I want to share with you, and they're almost so simple I'm, I'm almost embarrassed that I put them down this way, but hey, here we are, okay? Number one, be clear on who you are not. Be clear on who you are not. You know, we live in a me generation and a me culture. We want the world to know who we are. John the Baptist was clear on who he was not, and we need to follow his example. And I say this to you because it really takes the pressure off of you. You are a messenger, right? You're a servant. You're, you're, you're just a person. You're just a witness bearer. All you have to do is deliver the message, all right? Where do we see this? Verses 19 through 21. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. John the Baptist made it clear that he was not the Christ. He made it clear that he was not the Christ. John the Baptist made it clear that he was not Elijah. John the Baptist made it clear that he was not the prophet. John knew that he was not the Savior, and this simplified his mission. In John 1, 6 through 8, we read, There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John knew he was not the Savior. He was on a mission from God. Yes, he came as a witness, but he was neither God nor the Messiah. And neither are we. Our role is very simple. It's very minimal. And we have to remember this. God, God does the heavy lifting. We just deliver the message. Now, it's true that John was a pro- prophet. And Jesus will say later, the greatest prophet that ever lived. But because John was clear on who he was and what his mission was, he would not be distracted or tempted to go in any other direction nor point people in any other direction. When they say, what do you say about yourself? You know, he could say, he didn't say, I'm a Virgo, or he didn't say anything like that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, or, you know, I I like this, or I like this, you know, like on the old dating game years ago. He said who he was. And the central idea I want you to come away with here is it's God who does the saving, not you. We simply do the same. We simply speak the message. 
And if we do that, we want to say as little about ourselves as we can and as much about Jesus as we can, which means we probably want to leave our politics out of the equation. We probably want to leave our theories on economics out of the equation. And we want to talk about Jesus. We don't want to create any distractions to have people take their eyes off Jesus to fight with us about what we put on Facebook or Twitter last week. That's the central idea. That's what John did. He was clear that he was not the main issue. He was not the Messiah. He was not. He's not the big man on campus. He could have acted like it. I mean, when you are the forerunner for the king, but when you're the forerunner for the king, your only authority is to deliver the message for the king. And so he understood he was not the Messiah. He was not the son of David. He was not the priest, prophet, and king that Jesus would be. He was just, he was the postman. When the postman comes to your house, he doesn't open your mail and read it to you and say, well, Annie M. said this. I don't know about that. Right? The postman just delivers the message. That's all. That's our job. Because we're not the Messiah. Which brings us to our second reality, our second necessity. Be clear on who you are. John the Baptist was clear on his role. We want to be like him. This, again, it makes our lives very simple. Human beings love to, we love to complicate things. But we need to know our role and know our goal. All right? We need to understand that God, he has entrusted us with a personal piece of redemptive real estate. That's true. But he's given us a pattern to follow in the pages of Scripture. He has defined who we are and who we aren't and what we are and are not to say through the word of God. And we see this, we see this in uh, verses 22 to 24. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. John the Baptist was a voice, he was a prophetic voice. His role was defined for him, make way the make straight the way of the Lord. He referred to the prophecy in Isaiah 43 and 5. That would have linked them up with the, with the prophecy in Malachi 3.1. And so we are, like John was, messengers. We are to try to get someone's attention, connect with somebody, build a relationship with somebody so we can move all the junk out of the way and present the Messiah. We are the voice of one crying in the wilderness in a much more humble and low-key way because we are, we are in a wilderness of voices in our culture today. There are so many competing philosophies and ideas and mindsets and religions and things like that. And we are to be that voice crying in the wilderness. But we are not to call attention to ourselves. We are messengers. We are a means of grace, so to speak. And our role is defined for us. We don't determine the message. We just deliver it. And as a voice, John the Baptist was a servant. He was a voice and he was a servant. You see that in verses 25 to 28. Why are you baptizing if you are neither Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am worthy to untie. He said, I am nobody. I am nobody. We're nobody. God is everything. And God has sent us into this world as Christians. He has saved us so that we can serve. And, he, and, and this is what John is doing. And as a servant, John the Baptist was a humble witness. If you look in verses 29 to 31, you see that. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes one who ranks before me. Because he was before me. 
I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed. John is a humble witness who directs attention away from himself onto Jesus. John the Baptist prepared others to meet the Savior. And that's what we're called to do. That's what you're called to do. We were saved to serve. Christianity is a team sport. It is not a spectator sport. Everybody gets the ball. Everybody's on the field. Everybody has a role to play. You see this in verses 32 to 34 about John being a witness to prepare people to meet the Savior. And John bore witness. There he's bearing witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, is he, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, he has seen the Spirit, bear, and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is what we're called to do, to bear witness to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. John didn't sit there, and they didn't sing Just As I Am 1,722 times until somebody finally came forward, okay? What he does is, and this is the central idea here, is he just delivers the message. He is faithful to his calling. He remembers that his task is to point, his task is simple, point people to Jesus. Jesus accomplished this mission, and so can you. You present the message. You deliver the mail. You deliver the package. Don't tamper with it. Don't mess with it. Don't try to make it more acceptable to an unaccepting world. Just deliver the message. Body in Christ, keep his word, and let him do the heavy lifting. That's all we're called to do. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's God in the flesh. He died on the cross for our sins. Everybody needs a Savior because everybody has sinned, and this is the one who died in your place. And if you would just trust him, if you would just put your confidence in him, if you would just embrace him, he would give you the ability, the right, to become children of God and of children heirs. So let me just share with you some couple of thoughts here at the end. The application. A, be clear on who you are. You're his servant. We're to be clear on who we are. We are the servants, not the Savior. B, be confident that God has it all under control. Just like God said, look, you just go out there and do this, and when you see the Spirit descend like a dove on him, this is your guy. So you're clear on that you're a servant, you're confident in God. Be comforted in that you are not responsible for the conversion. God does the saving. We do the saying. We say the information. God saves the sinner. And be committed to bear witness for Christ. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's all you have to do. Your mission is simple. We make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. And sometimes we get carried away and we say things we don't need to say. The old saying goes, don't say less than you need to or more than you should. A lot of times we add all kinds of things. We talk about the environment or the government or something else. And we just need to talk about Christ. And it's not about us. People may persecute you. They may mock you. They may marginalize you. Your job isn't to push back. Your job is to present the gospel. Now, we had a great Easter here. We had a great, wonderful, touching Good Friday service. The scramble, the, the festival, we, it was well attended. We had the neighborhood. We got the neighborhood to come here. And we saw people from, from Viet, who were of Vietnamese extract, extraction, Indian, Korean, Black, Latino, white, we had all these people here. And then on Sunday we had a great Easter service. But these are the first steps in what is to come. And as wonderful as that big event was, think of it as a Hail Mary. Football games and championships aren't won with Hail Marys. It's with the basic blocking and tackling of ministry. 
presenting the gospel, connecting with people, sharing Christ with them, studying God's word, growing in grace. We now have a better understanding, I hope, or maybe a fuller understanding of who Jesus is. We have a great example in John the Baptist about who we are and how we are to be. And the rest lies before us. But it all is contingent upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it may be that you're here today and you know about God, but you don't know God. And it's hard to tell people about somebody you don't know. Uh, And what we'd like to do perhaps today is to introduce you to God, is to introduce you to Christ. And so I want you to think about where you stand in relation to eternity today. John the Baptist talked to them about the coming Messiah, and all they wanted to do was talk about him. Sometimes we want to share the gospel with you, and you want to ask us about our politics, maybe. I don't know. But what we really want to focus on is who Christ is and why you need him. And the Bible tells us that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. We're all broken. We've all made mistakes, and we've all done things on purpose that we shouldn't have done, and that has distanced and separated us from God. And Jesus came to restore us to God. But that restoration only takes place with a surrender of the will, with a recognition that you need a savior, you need a rescuer, you need someone to come in and change you from the inside out, and that Jesus came, he paid for your sin, he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself, and he stands ready, willing, and able to forgive you, to grant you the gift of eternal life. But gifts are to be received and not pushed away. So while he stands ready, willing, and able to give you eternal life, to grant you forgiveness, he will not give it to you if you do not receive it. But as many as believed him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received that gift? I want you to think about that. Do you know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? Just think about that. Because you know what? Being in California doesn't make you a Californian. It makes you somebody who's in California. And being in a church doesn't make you a Christian. It makes you somebody who's in a church. And I just want you to examine your heart today and think about it as you go forth. Do I know Christ? Have I received forgiveness? Do I know that I know that I know if I died today and stood before God and he said, why would I let you into my kingdom, that I would give him the answer? Would I have the answer? Think about that. In the meantime, for those of us who are Christ followers, who are Christians, we need to think about what we saw today. We need to remember who Jesus is and honor him as such, the Savior, the Messiah, God, and live our lives in light of that so that we can bear witness in a very simple, clear-cut, and understandable way.